Coming up on Philosophy Talk. 2021, the examined year. Because the unexamined year is not worth reviewing. I'm not ready to say farewell yet to the Republic. The year in political insurrection. To be committed to supporting democratic institutions is to be committed to supporting them even when you are on the losing side. The year in space tourism. We have this outer space treaty, which many, many nations have been following for a long time. And now we're just going to make fun of it because it's not important. It's not relevant to us. The year in post-pandemic workplaces. I don't think that we even know what the workplace is at the moment. We're not sure how we think about ourselves as having a home self and having a work self. What happened over the past 12 months that challenged your assumptions and made you think about things in new ways? It's the examined year 2021. Coming up on Philosophy Talk. Welcome to Philosophy Talk, the program that questions everything. Except your intelligence. I'm Ray Briggs. And I'm Josh Landy. We're coming to you via the studios of KLW San Francisco Bay Area. Continuing conversations that begin at Philosopher's Corner on the Stanford campus, where I teach philosophy and Josh directs the Philosophy and Literature Initiative. Today, it's a special edition of Philosophy Talk, the examined year 2021. We're taking a look back at the philosophical significance of events and ideas that have shaped the last 12 months. Because the unexamined year is not worth reviewing. So Ray, how many Zoom meetings did you attend this year? Uh, I lost count back in April. This year was definitely a little easier work-wise, but it still wasn't quite like the before times. Well, later in the show, we'll think about the year in the post-pandemic workplace with Georgetown philosopher Quill Kukla. Among other things, we'll talk about how many of us will continue to work from home and what that's going to mean for the human experience. Being stuck in your house was one big thing this year. But at the other extreme, we had people going into space. Regular civilians, more than any time in the past. So we'll also explore the year in space tourism with Brian Green from Santa Clara University, author of Space Ethics. But arguably the most important event, for Americans at least, was the January 6th attack on the US Capitol. In many ways, the whole year has been shadowed by the less than peaceful transfer of power after the 2020 presidential election. In a moment, we'll talk to our Stanford colleague and former Philosophy Talk co-host, Deborah Satz, about the year in political insurrection. But first, let's listen to some of the sounds of this fragile year in our democracy. We are going to the Capitol, where our problems are. It's that direction. We will stop the steal. Take the Capitol. Take the Capitol. When you catch somebody in a fraud, you're allowed to go by very different rules. He is inciting violence against the government itself. There are still uh, insurrectionists on the grounds of the Capitol, high-fiving each other as you see there. I want people to remember how they feel watching these images of the United States Capitol being taken over. One text Mr. Meadows received said, quote, we are under siege. Is Trump going to say something? I know how you feel, but go home and go home in peace. Sounds from a year of political insurrection. We're joined now by Deborah Satz. She's professor of philosophy at Stanford University, where she's also dean of the School of Humanities and Sciences. And of course, she's a past co-host of this program. Deborah, welcome back to Philosophy Talk. It's nice to be back. 
So, Deborah, shortly before he passed away, uh, our good friend and founder of Philosophy Talk, Ken Taylor, was working on a book called Farewell to the Republic We Once Dreamt Of. Uh, do you think it's time for a farewell after January 6th and with the many in the Republican Party sort of doubling down on the, you know, on this fiction that the election was stolen and these somewhat troubling uh, authoritarian moves? What do you think? I'm not ready to say farewell uh, yet to the Republic, but I do think uh, our democracy, like many around the world, is under threat. You know, the threat stems from many sources, including the fact that so many people have been left out of uh, the human and economic development of the last 25 years. Uh, but it is not an easy time for democratic institutions. I don't think, uh, you know, January 6th was a serious a threat in the sense that I don't think by itself it could have uh, led to the demise of democracy, but it was a symptom of an illness. And the worst aspects of the symptom are the fact that um, so many people view the assault on the Capitol through partisan lenses as opposed to a basic assault on democratically elected um, representatives. Yeah, I guess my big question about democracy is about legitimacy. And to what degree does having a bunch of people, in my view, wrongly qu question the legitimacy of an election undermine sort of the democracy we're trying to build? And like, how do you stop it from undermining it? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I think one thing we know um, from social science and from human experience is that, you know, institutions and, and like democratic institutions don't survive by laws alone, but really depend in important ways on the quality and uh, judgment of the members of those institutions. And to be committed to supporting democratic institutions is to be committed to supporting them even when you are on the losing side. If people don't maintain that attitude, uh, democracy is in big trouble. And I think for many, many reasons, the sense of these institutions are ours and we're all in it together is a attitude that is in dramatic decline. So you said you weren't quite ready to say farewell to democracy. Where is that hope coming from? So first, in the you know challenges to democracy in the wake of the 2020 election, you know the courts uh, basically dismissed every um, legislative attempt to overthrow the election results. Right, more than 60 lawsuits were dismissed. So in that sense, the institutions held the professionals um, from state governments who certify elections stood up and acted as professionals regardless of party affiliation. That was a very important moment. There are really good people who um, are committed to the truth and to the institutions. Um, you know, I think a lot of people have seen that the institutions have not worked that well 
and are really committed to trying doing to do something so they work for all of us. You, uh, Deborah, you have a lot more optimism than I do. Uh, I think, <laughs> um, both to some extent about the causes of uh, of where we are. I mean, it, you haven't spoken about demagoguery and the use of propaganda mm-hmm. mechanisms like uh, cable news shows and Facebook and Twitter and so on. And also about where we're headed. I mean, I, I think there's a very serious chance that in 2024, maybe even earlier, we're not going to be a functioning democracy anymore, partly because the good people that you've talked about have in many cases been replaced. Mm-hmm. And many new laws have been passed to make it easier for elections to be stolen. I, you know, I wonder, are we living in a Weimar moment? And are we going to look back you know, in 2024, 2025, and wonder what more could we have done? You know, are, what are we going to look like to ourselves in the future? Are we going to look like people who stood up for democracy and did something or people who, who were a little complacent, perhaps, or even perhaps uh, inadvertently enabling it? What, what can we do now to make sure that, you know, we'll have done everything we possibly could? So, I mean, great question. Of course, I have no crystal ball on <laughs> where we are, but I do think for people who are who care about um, the survival of democratic institutions, it's really important to be involved. You know, there are organizations working to ensure fair elections, to ensure uh, that people are able to register to vote, that are working to ensure that um, candidates with different points of view can get a hearing. you know, I do think there are things we can do. I, I'm not, I don't mean to minimize that uh, we're in a moment of risk. I think we are. I don't think we're alone in that. I think around the world we're seeing democracies under incredible pressure. I think institutions don't work so well uh, when um, a very small group of people basically can reap the spoils from uh, the benefits of those institutions are meant to deliver. And, you know, part of what has been happening is so many people have been left out of um, the progress that's been made in the last 30 or 40 years that they don't have faith in the institutions anymore. I don't mean to discount fake, you know, the fake news, propaganda, but I also think people see in their own lives that a lot of the institutions have not been delivering for all of us in the way that they need to. So one thing that that kind of uh, worries me, although I agree that our institutions have not been working for all of us, is that I'm not sure I trust people's opinions or ability to figure out uh, where they are um, relative to like their their advantage or disadvantage. So I think one thing that really bugs me about the January 6th insurrection is that, um, you know, these people think that they were disadvantaged because they were, were voting for Trump and Trump didn't win. But that's not actually like you're not entitled to have your candidate win. Having your candidate not win is not the same as being disenfranchised by like gerrymandering. Um, it's not the same as being racially oppressed or like funneled into prisons. So I, I think I'm I'm worried about uh, sort of people feeling uh, disempowered who are not disempowered in the most relevant ways. And like, 
how, how do I talk to people who are just wrong about their relative levels of power? Right, you're you know, raising a lot of important issues. Of course, there are people who have misinformation. Trump did not win the election. That has been um, certified in nonpartisan um, commissions over and over again. So the people who think that the election was stolen and therefore that democracy didn't work, those people are, are wrong. They're just wrong in this case. And you know, an important piece of this is also that there are organizations and elites working very hard <laughs> uh, to make sure that um, people don't understand all the facts. Um, right. that, and that's a challenging environment. We're in a very, very challenging environment where you know news has fragmented the the, the ability of people to actually you know ascertain and wrestle with real facts that's a problem and you know we've got to all get on the same page even where we disagree we there are some things we all you know have in common that we can agree on and we should be pushing forward on those i just want to raise a kind of devil's advocate question uh you know Plato's Republic has kind of made a, uh, you know, I want to say, a rec it's not like it never went away, but it's having a new wave of popularity, um, be, in part because of uh, the way in which the character Socrates seems to point to some structural weaknesses ah. of democracy, right? It's very easy for democracy to be sort of uh, taken advantage of by a demagogue, by a would-be tyrant who can sort of capitalize on on the mob and you know, in the service of personal gain. Um, I personally don't think that's right, but but what's the best argument against that, against the thought that, well, just look, just democracy intrinsically is a weak, uh, a weak form of government. It's it's sort of bound to, to end up in tyranny. So I actually, I mean, there are problems with democracy. It's you know, <laughs> no, no question about that. But... Um, I actually think it has strengths that no dictatorship has. So one thing a dictatorship will have an incredibly hard time doing is gathering information. But we have all kinds of ways in a democracy to gather information, uh, both decentralized ways and more centralized ways to learn and have knowledge created that no dictatorship can do. Also, dictatorships have really hard time motivating people. You know, uh, and you have to spend a lot of money on policing. Now, unfortunately, a democracy that is in um, serious decline like ours is, is also spending a lot of money on, um, you know, policing and coercion, which I think would be less of an issue if uh, the democracy had actually been working for everybody. Deborah, thank you so much for joining us today. It was a pleasure. And I've talked myself into a more optimistic mood. Our friend and colleague at Stanford, Deborah Satz, on the year in political insurrection. You can listen to the rest of this episode by purchasing it on iTunes Music. Or for unlimited listening, subscribe to our archive at philosophytalk.org.